Pressures of this world are unrelenting. I'm sure you've experienced that in your own life. The world is constantly urging you to compromise. It wants you to choose your own interests over the Lord. It wants you to ignore God's will. To overcome this, you need to prepare for the onslaught and stand true to Christ. To do anything else is to repeat Pilate's mistake. Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davies' lesson today is called A Tragic Miscarriage of Justice. When someone is tried, convicted, and punished for a crime that that person did not commit, uh, we refer to that as a a tragic miscarriage of justice. In fact, I've always been deeply troubled to read in the news of someone who suffered many years in prison before being finally proven innocent might be through new evidence or traces of DNA or some other forensic method. Well, just multiply that injustice uh, many times over, and you might come close to describing the trial of Jesus before the Jewish world and and now before the Roman world. It's, It's frankly nothing less than a tragic miscarriage of justice. Well, the Jewish Sanhedrin has declared Jesus to be worthy of death, Pilate has repeatedly publicly declared that Jesus is innocent. In fact, three times in John's gospel, Pilate says, I find no guilt in him. He wants to throw this case out of court. There's no evidence. But Jesus' enemies are not giving in. Evidence doesn't matter. And the pressure on Pilate is mounting. John chapter 19 records what happens next here in verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. That's the color of royalty. Now, this flogging most likely takes place in the Roman palace. They used a whip with sharp metal or pieces of bone attached to three leather straps. They will uh, eventually press down on the Lord's head a crown made of twisted thorns, probably from a date palm, which has thorns that can be some 12 inches long. Then John records for us here, they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus is standing here wearing the crown of thorns and, and this purple robe. And Pilate says to the crowd, Behold the man. I believe Pilate is attempting to provoke some sort of sympathy with the brutal punishment and mockery Jesus has already endured. And, and with this statement, behold the man, he's, he's effectively saying, look at him. Look at him. He's bleeding. He's, a, he, he's an ordinary man. Does he look like the Son of God to you? Does he look like a king to you? Isn't, isn't this enough punishment? Are they satisfied? Well, of course not. We read here in verse 6, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, They cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, 
Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Well, these religious leaders know they're not allowed to execute anybody without Rome's approval, and they need Pilate's permission. So now the Jewish leaders respond by telling Pilate the real reason for their hatred of Jesus. Verse 7, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. Well, let me tell you, beloved, anybody who argues that Jesus never claimed to be anything more than a rabbi, well, the entire Jewish nation knew differently. They had already tried to kill him twice before because he claimed to be deity. We covered that. Well, this new piece of information creates some some new fear and pressure in Pilate. He, He had sensed there was something different about Jesus. And now hearing this charge brings him even greater alarm. Verse 9 tells us he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Now, if Jesus had answered Pilate or performed some miracle right then and there, would he have been released? Well, possibly. But Jesus didn't come to earth so he could be released. He came to earth so you and I could be redeemed. Well, Pilate's frustrated by Jesus' silence. He warns the Lord that he has the authority to release him or crucify him. Now, to that, Jesus responds here in verse 11, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus is informing Pilate here that he isn't as powerful as he thinks he is. God is the one in charge here. Jesus also says that Pilate's guilt isn't as great as that of the high priest, along with the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, all those who who knew what they were doing when they handed Jesus over to Pilate. Now, it's doubtful to me that Pilate grasps much of of this, but he does know that Jesus is innocent. And and, and who knows, maybe, maybe Jesus is the son of a god, which is probably what Pilate is, is thinking. Pilate would understand, by the way, this claim. This was all enough to motivate him to again try to release Jesus. Verse 12 says, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. He's doing everything he can do to find a loophole. But the Jewish leaders, they've got some political leverage here. They've been holding back until now. And they say here in verse 12, the latter part, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Well, with this, what they're actually saying is they're threatening to report to Caesar that Pilate released a man who was a direct threat to his throne, a man who claimed to be a king above Caesar. Now, obviously, if Pilate is ignoring a threat to the empire, it's going to endanger Pilate's own career. This would mean that he is not Caesar's friend. By the way, you need to know that friend of Caesar was actually an official title of favor given to reward faithful service to the king. Well, now Pilate faces a decision. Is he going to choose to be a friend of the king of the Roman Empire or a friend of the king of the Jews? Have you ever thought about the fact that you happen to make that decision every day in the shop, 
in the university classroom, in the corporate environment, in the political world. Whose friend are you going to be? A friend to this world, this world system, or a friend of the King of Kings? Well, despite the warning of his wife, Matthew 27, verse 19 tells us, and the complete lack of evidence against Jesus, Pilate chooses what he sees as as the best decision for himself. Here in verse 13, it says, So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat. This is basically the place where he's going to make his final decision known. John writes here in verse 14, Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. Well, that means it's 6 a.m., And it's Passover when every family is going to slaughter an unblemished lamb. And in just a few hours, the pure lamb of God will be slaughtered by the united family of humanity. The innocence of Jesus has been established in court. The lamb of God is without blemish. Other witnesses at the cross are going to add their testimony to his innocence Even Judas, who tries to return the blood money, declared that he had betrayed innocent blood, Matthew 27, verse 4. The only thing Jesus is guilty of is telling the truth. He's guilty of being the Son of God. Well, when Pilate tells the crowd to behold their king, here in John chapter 19, verse 14, Well, they just immediately begin demanding all over again his crucifixion. They even shout aloud here in verse 15, We have no king but Caesar. Imagine that. With that, verse 16 sadly records, Pilate delivered him over to them to be crucified. Now, in Matthew's account, chapter 27, it reports here in verse 24 that just before he turns Jesus over to be crucified, Pilate washes his hands before the crowd and says, I am innocent of this man's blood. Well, let me tell you, no matter how religious you are, how powerful you are, washing your hands isn't going to cleanse your heart. It can't cleanse your conscience. Only the blood sacrifice of God the Son can cleanse you from the guilt of sin. Even though This entire scene is a terrible miscarriage of justice. Keep in mind it was planned from eternity past. But what is your personal verdict today? Jesus uh, effectively stands in the courtroom uh, of your heart. His blood is either on your hands, you're guilty of denying him, or his blood has cleansed your heart and you're forgiven forever. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Your guide through all 66 books of the Bible is Stephen Davey. This is The Wisdom Journey. And today's lesson is called A Tragic Miscarriage of Justice. We have a very special resource for you today. I want you to think about the last few Christmas seasons. And then let me ask you, 
Do you struggle to keep your focus on Jesus during the Christmas season? Does the busyness of the holidays distract you from the true meaning of what you celebrate? Well, we have a resource to help you lead your family in an intentional Christ-honoring activity. It's called the Advent Event. This is a fun, easy, and enriching family activity to help focus attention on the birth of Jesus. You'll also discover the big picture of God's plan throughout the Bible. Kids of all ages will enjoy the craft, the stories, the sounds, and the motions that make up the Advent event. And best of all, it fits easily into your busy family schedule. You'll receive a kit with a family activity for each day in December. It begins December 1, so get your kit today. All the information you need is at wisdomonline.org forward slash advent. Then join us next time on this wisdom journey.